This is traditionally our time of beginning again, of uh, renewing ourselves, rallying together. After a recreation of the summer, after recreation, we have a chance to come together as people of God and begin to form again our understanding of God's love for us through study of the Word. So um, we begin what's called the Narrative Lectionary, and it begins today. A whole new series begins today. If you haven't had a chance to read my article in the What's Happening at Christ the Servant, that email goes out to you. Please read it. It tells you everything you've always wanted to know and maybe didn't know about Narrative Lectionary, how it was formed, how it works, how it fits in with the seasons, how we progress through the fall, through the next year. I really encourage you to read that. Because we always begin in September with the beginning, with creation. We begin as we look at either Genesis chapter 1 or Genesis chapter 2, two different accounts of creation, but God's activity in the creative world. Before I say more about that, I want to say, just take a moment to talk about our sacraments. And a sacrament is a sign that points to something else, something greater than itself, okay? And for our students that have gone through the first communion celebration, our children commune at a young age, but they always have in fifth grade a chance to celebrate that communion and to celebrate what it means. And they learn that in the Lutheran church, we have two sacraments, baptism and communion. Truth be told, Martin Luther almost added a third confession because he thought it was so important. And we have Roman Catholic brothers and sisters who celebrate seven sacraments. So sacraments is not a hard and fixed number. And I'm wondering if you've ever considered that nature, that creation is a sacrament based on the definition I just gave you, a sign that points to something beyond itself. Henry Nouwen, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase here, said this about the sacrament of nature. We'll never fully understand what bread and wine mean in communion, what the bread and wine point to beyond itself if that same bread and wine does not point us to the whole of creation, which points to a reality far greater than itself. We are accustomed, as we look at the bread and wine every Sunday, we're thinking of the body and blood of Jesus. But Henry Nouwen is saying that it shouldn't only point to that, but it should also point to all of creation, So as we see that bread and that wine lifted up this morning, and we hear the words given for you, let us also see behind that loaf, behind that cup, the fields of wheat and the hillsides of vineyards behind that. And behind that, also see the great connected biorhythms of all of nature. And behind that, 
see God forming every creature out of the ground. The Lord God, we hear this morning, planted a garden. The Lord God breathed into the nostrils the breath of life. The Lord God created partnership. The Lord God formed every animal and living creature. And out of this great garden came forth fruit and food and bread and wine, and it was all good. And in the middle of it all was a river giving life. Now one continued to say that our Sunday celebration should not be isolated to just one time a week, but it is the concentration of the mystery about which all of nature speaks night and day. Nature is speaking of this great mystery every day. And when we gather this morning, we really should remember that, that we're part of it on a daily basis as we go out into the world, into what God has created. Just the other day, a woman declared how much she loved September and October. Oh, she loved it. She said it as if she was biting into and relishing her favorite piece of pie. That's how much she enjoyed this time of year. And I took her to mean that she was feasting on the cooler days, the lower humidity, opening the windows in the house, the crispness of the air. It's not too cold. It's not too hot. The gradual appearance of that wonderful fall colors. That is nature speaking the mystery of God, pointing something beyond itself. She's exclaiming about nature, but nature exclaims about God. And our Sunday celebration is a concentration of that mystery every day. So nature, creation, is really sacred. I don't think there's a place we can go that it's not sacred because God has touched it and God is present. And this sacred nature is all about relationships. You don't have to be a biologist to understand that. You don't have to have taken chemistry to know that. That balance and relational balance is a really, really good thing. And sadly, we have discovered what happens when that balance is broken. When human relationships and our relationship with nature and nature's with us, when that balance breaks, is broken and degraded. We hear about some of the images of, the, of that in Genesis chapter 3. Images of distress and toil and pain. And working the land with sweat and thorns and thistles and wrestling bread out of the ground. And there's toil which becomes hostility between brother and brother and husband and wife and families and the, and the ground itself. There was an infamous ad in a newspaper that read, Farmer wants to marry a woman, 35, 
with a tractor. Send photo of the tractor. (laughs) Now, isn't that a far cry from this at last is bone of my bones? This at last is flesh of my flesh. And the two shall cling together as one. I want to credit the Beatles for singing it very poetically. For well you know that it's a fool who plays it cool by making his world a little colder. That's what's happened in our relationships when they are broken, when they become denigrated. It's gotten a little colder. And that's what happens with nature as well. We play the fool when we grow cold to nature. Emma Morris uh, had a TED Talk, and she entitled it, Nature is Everywhere, We Just Need to Learn to See It. (laughs) Sounds obvious, right? But we do need to have new eyes to see nature. And she describes our current condition in the world today. Right now, she said, humans use half of the world to live, to grow their crops and their timber, and to pasture their animals. Half of the world. If you added up all the human beings, we would weigh 10 times more than all the wild mammals in the world put together. Ten times more mass. We've added little plastic particles to the sand on ocean beaches, and I would add that we've added much more into the oceans themselves. We've changed the chemistry of the soil with our fertilizers, and of course we've changed the chemistry of the air. So when you take your next breath, I want you to be conscious of this. Take a breath. You breathed in 42% more carbon dioxide than was present in 1750. 42% more carbon dioxide in that breath than only 260 years ago. And when we consider some 30,000 years of human history, that's pretty amazing and incredible, isn't it? It's frightening, I think. But this is a reality of life outside the Garden of Eden. But God does not give up. God doesn't go away. God doesn't abandon the beginning. God doesn't abandon... God's creation. In the time after this fall described in chapter 3 of Genesis, we hear the long history of the people of Israel, uh, and of course, all the way up to the appearance of Jesus. And in hearing that history, we hear that God works to restore the balance and bring warmth back into relationships. 
In the coming weeks, we're going to hear some more specifically about God's creative solutions, uh, working through Isaac and Jacob and working through Moses and Ruth. And today we heard in Mark, we heard of God's greatest masterpiece in creation, of restoration, of Jesus coming to us as the word in the flesh to restore the balances of relationships, of humans with one another, of humans with nature, of humans with God. And think of what we just read, where Jesus stood by the Sea of Galilee. Almost like that spirit hovering over the face of the waters aeons ago that brought all things into existence. Jesus stands there on the sea of Galilee, and he calls out, Andrew, follow me. Peter, follow me. James and John, follow me. Creating a new community, creating a holy people, called to live by love and not the law. And we, of course, then hear that Jesus dies and he rises from a tomb, starting a new creation. The old has died. All is new. And balance, because of God's power, is restored. And the mystery, the sacrament of life, continues. Let this be a part of our thoughts when we take that bread and that wine and touch it to our lips. Amen.